You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Thanks for tuning into Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And in today's episode, we're getting an update from Hayadon. He's the president, CEO, and director and founder of Osino Resources Corp., uh, one of our sponsors. We spoke to Hay about two months ago post the preliminary economic assessment that the company released regarding its Twin Hills project in Namibia. Hi is back on the show today to talk about a recent strategic financing. Hiya, welcome to the show. Uh, break this down for us. How did this financing come about? Who's it with and what's the significance at this point? Great, thanks Bill. Um, great to be back here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I guess this is a little bit unexpected, the fin- this financing. And you know, the best ones are always the most unexpected. Um, and the reason being, I mean, we gave you an update two months ago on the PEA and all the very active work programs that we've got on the go. Obviously, that all costs money. And so as we're getting into the end of the year, uh, with a weak market, our cash position, even though it's still strong, we've got eight, eight or nine million dollars in the bank, but we're still going to spend a lot between now and the end of the year. So we would have ended the year relatively weak with four or five million dollars um, in an uncertain market. And we felt before the vultures start circling, better to reload the gun. And that's basically what we've done. Um, so you asked me, so that's how it came about. Um, it was also opportunistic because in fact, a key Toronto investor, Pat DeCarpa and the Power One Group, they approached us. He's an existing shareholder. Uh, he was one of the major shareholders in Neolithium, which recently got sold. So he, he's had success. He made money. He's looking to redeploy it. He know He's known us for a long time, 10, 12 years. Um, and it's, I guess it's a, it's a vote of confidence that he was prepared to invest at not much of a discount. Yes, there's a warrant, you know, it's never perfect, but, um, I think it makes us look strong and we're very, very pleased that we, we've been able to do it. In fact, we, we're in the midst of it. You mentioned the vultures. So is this a non-vultured, um, uh, private placement versus, or non-brokered private placement? Oh, yes. No, no, no. What I meant by the vultures are the people that sell you down in the expectation of another financing. Not the That's brokers? Usually... <laughs> well, all sorts. All sorts. <laughs> Not just brokers. Opportunists. No, we're happy with the brokers. We love the broking community. We, but they're obviously an essential part of the business. We've got great relationships with a range of brokers. Um, but the brokers at the moment couldn't do much because the financing window isn't open. So if, we would have loved to have done a brokered financing, but it wasn't available. Um, and that's why we had to look at alternatives. We looked at converts. We looked at all sorts of things, um, trying to be proactive. And in this case, I guess we were lucky that we've got longstanding networks and relationships who came tr- who came through when you need them. Not that we really needed it, but you, you know, it's it, again, it was a prudent move. You don't know how the markets will go, um, and that's why it's just buying us a bit of breathing space and and some assurance. So you have is it ten rigs still turning with your current program? Yes, it's between eight and ten rigs. We we expect a significant resource upgrade around Q1 next year, which I is I consider that in the bag already. In fact, we're receiving the results as we speak. Um, but we're using those rigs still to drill deeper. We're drilling out somewhere where we think I said it to you last time. We think there might be there's there's, there's smoke. We hope to be announcing something soon. Um, and yeah, still can you define soon, Haya? Because you know, soon means different things to different speculators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel bad. This on this one, I've been remiss. Is that what you say? Um, we should have put something out a long time ago. Um, but we're just waiting to drill more holes, get a few more holes into it. I think in the next three or four weeks, well within the next three or four weeks, we'll announce something. We're just waiting for some more assay results. Um, so that's there. 
We have a bunch of draw results, also essay results coming in. Um, so we expect a big bunch of essay results imminently. So that should come out in the next week or two. Um, so yeah, results in the next two to three weeks um, and a couple of other things. So your stock price has been as high as I think a 160 Canadian. It's around 110, 115 as we chat. Um, you know, when I look at the Lasan curve, it seems we're, we're in that lower second trough of the Lasan curve, but you're kind of speeding your way through that, if I understand correctly. I think so. I think you're 100% right. We're in the we're in the final trough. I think in the next six to 12 months, we I expect a substantial uh, re-rate on execution and de-risking. I mean, there's so much de-risking and execution happening as we speak, which is not reflected in the share price. And that is actually the, it, that sums up the opportunity. There's lots of growth, downside protected because of low valuation. Yes, we've traded off 50% or so roughly from the, from the all-time high. So have all other gold companies, but if you compare us to, to an index or B2 gold or any, any comp you want to choose, we've actually uh, performed defensively. We've, we've sold off less. And I think when the market turns, I think and I hope that we'll be ahead of the curve and maybe outperform some others. So how do you manage expectations as the chief executive? You have the expectations of people like me, you know, the retail private speculators, you have the institutions. You have the producers that could one day possibly uh, buy you. You have the banks that you need to impress if you're going to get financing to bring it into production. Maybe talk a little bit about your executive philosophy of how you balance all that. I think, you know, you of course, of course you have to understand your audience. And the audience, um, different audiences are interested in different things. So corporates, I would say, are interested in quality. They're not interested in noise. Retail, without sounding arrogant, retail loves news flow. So draw results and so forth. And, and what have you done for me lately, right? <laughs> no, not, not that much, I realize, I realize. Um, but the problem is that retail is also has a short attention span, uh, meaning they it's, it's easy for them to misinterpret things. So that's why we're not, we, we're not the guys that put out draw results every two weeks. We rather put out big bunches of results in one go every two months. That's more or less how we've done it. And the next one is going to be a very substantial draw results update. But when you get that, it's substantial and it's real. And I, I prefer that. Yeah. So sometimes people get a little impatient, but um, I think it's a better way. Also remember the market has been dead over the summer holidays, you know, no use really putting out good news into, into an audience that isn't even listening. And that's why we've kind of slowed down a little bit on the news flow. But um, coming into the last quarter of the year, I think that that will certainly pick up again. And then in terms of impressing the banks, that's what you're doing now with all the technical work. So you're setting the stage for those discussions. Yeah, because, you know, the banks, they in that last um, uptick in the Lausanne curve, so they want detail, they want uh, drill density, bankable feasibility studies done at conservative gold prices, etc. That's why we will do a follow-on study, a PEA by Q1 next year, which is all about uh, maximizing the project scope and the value. But the banks are they want the definitive study. And that's why we will come out of that PEA. We will very quickly, maybe three months later, three, four months later, we, we will have a definitive. The work that we're doing now is already going towards that. The problem with the, with the definitive is because of 43101 requirements, you, for example, you can't use inferred resources. And that's why a definitive usually has a smaller scope than a, than a PEA. That's just the way it is. Um, and that's why PA first, another definitive afterwards. And that deals with retail and equity markets and the banks. So Haya, you have this second potential discovery, which you told me when we talked two months ago, you said you're seeing quite intense smoke. It still needs to be confirmed, of course. 
But, uh, you know, are you thinking through more of a possible spin out separating the Twin Hills project from this new discovery? Or can you share a little bit about how that fits into your what you're expecting right now? Okay, now let me explain there are two things. When I say a potential additional discovery, I'm, I'm talking brownfields. We've got brownfields, meaning the stuff within five or 10 kilometers of the existing pit. Um, I think we will find more answers there, which will make the Twin Hills project um, incrementally bigger. That's the kind of discovery I'm talking about there. But we have had other discoveries um, on the exploration ground. But, you know, when I say other discoveries, these are surface discoveries. This is not drill intercepts yet. Surface gold indicating, oh, there might be a gold system. There's potential. We've got a couple of those, uh, but that's separate. That's somewhere else. Um, and we're not getting much value for those other discoveries that I spoke about. I don't want to call it a discovery, anomaly, target, prospect, whatever. Um, and those ones, we are contemplating potentially to do a spin-out. We actually, we 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 looking at the details of that at the moment. It's a little bit too early days. I don't want to get expectations up, but that would be a neat way to um, distill that value and 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 um, uh, catalyze that value. Uh, but we've got to balance that with the question of how are we more attractive to a potential acquirer as a as a, as a big package or as individual projects. So we're grappling with these things at the moment, but we are actively working on crystallizing. That was the word, crystallizing um, the exploration value which we're currently not getting any any value for in our share price. You're sandwiched between two mines, the Ochikoto mine, which you sold to B2Gold, and the Navachab mine. Any progress on the bidding for the Navachab mine that you could uh, alert the audience to? You know, you can imagine I'm under CA. We are part of that process, so I can't talk much. I can say that the process is underway. I can say that I've heard that it's a competitive process. Um, I've heard there are a number of bidders. Um, the price is uh, quite a lot higher than um, I would have liked it to be uh, as an opportunistic buyer. But the reverse side of that coin is that as a benchmark to our project value, that will end up being very positive for us. So I think um, the process is unfolding as best as it could for us as a, as a neighboring company. But if I could put words in your mouth, it's going to be a win-win for you no matter what. Is that fair? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. All right, Haya, final question as we uh, kind of wrap it up. Uh, what have investors been asking you recently that I didn't ask you in this episode? Yo, you got me there. You know, I haven't done that much marketing lately, mainly because of the um, the market being so so quiet. Um, most of the institutional investors are interested in de-risking, mining license, how long is it going to take? Um, what do you still have to do to get there? How are, you going to, how are you going to finance the project? Project finance. Project finance is a question that's come up a lot. You know, we've got project capital of 200, 250 million, eventually it will be. Um, and we've got a $100 million market cap. So how are you going to bridge the gap? So that's that's important. So expect some news in that regard. We're pointing, looking at appointing a debt advisor and making progress on that side. Um, mostly around those questions. Of course, retail investors are asking drill results, uh, exploration success, and so forth. Okay. Well, the website is osinoresources.com, ticker symbol OSI in Toronto and OSIIF on the OTC. Uh, you can reach out to Haya. Information is on the website if you have follow-up questions. But in the meantime, Haya, thanks for coming on the show and we'll be looking out for those next drill results that are coming uh, forthcoming here. Great. I appreciate it. Thanks, Paul.
Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.